The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Wednesday morning, Eagles fans. Appreciate you streaming on in here with us on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jordan McDonald, John McMullen here with you for the next two hours. Uh, J-Mac, we've kind of picked apart what the hell happened in Dallas the last couple of days. Not of it, not almost any of it any good. Uh, and then, of course, you quasi turn the page and you, while looking back, look forward as well. I thought there was a possibility that yesterday we were going to get an Eagle roster move. Uh, when you have two bad games like that, you know something's got to be done. Something's got to change. So, something has to be done differently. And even though we talked about it plenty so far about uh, the fact that they've made a bunch of roster moves and moved guys in and out of the lineup, uh, maybe it's a bit too much. You can't just sit on your hands either and just it'll get better because we want it to or we, we believe it will. Sometimes you have to institute change. No roster moves, no changes. You know, I was a fan, and I guess I still kind of am, but with every passing day, it becomes less and less probable of a Zach Ertz reunion. Surprised that the Eagles made no roster moves because travel day, come home, boom. If you're going to do something, you're going to probably do it then. Uh, Surprised they did uh, nothing with the roster. 
Outside roster move like Zach Ertz? No, not terribly surprised. Uh, might they tweak something uh, going? Remember, everything's backed up a day. So, you know, Thursday is a Wednesday and, and et cetera down the line because they flex the game to Monday night. So um, you can make a, a, a move for the practices during the week uh, a day later. So, you know, if somebody's coming up from the practice squad, if you're doing something of that nature. But I, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised they didn't bring anybody in from outside the organization. Uh, you know, I said that yesterday. I'm, you know, I think they've reached to the point they're doing that a little bit too much, and we're seeing that the Band-Aids are not necessarily uh, helpful all the time. Um, so not terribly surprised. I, I, I mean... I, you know, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that people are, a lot of people, I got to be careful, not everybody, uh, are really kind of losing it after a couple, admittedly, bad losses. Nobody's trying to say they, they were good losses, but the expectations of this team, and I talked about it back in the summer, I was like, they're out of whack, they're out of control, and this is, it's now sort of manifested itself to the point of they were 10 and one probably weren't the best team in football, but anytime you have the best record, people can, you know, blow out their chest and say, we're the best team in football. Um, lose a couple games. We're still at 33 weeks and counting, having the best record or tied for the best record, in the NFL and people want coordinators fired and this and that. I mean, it's it's just not logical. You 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 got to steady the ship, I would argue, uh, and try to, you know, recover a little bit, and and the schedule lightens up, and and try to get your confidence back and your swagger back and things like that. Um, but yeah, the expectations are it, the fact that you're not the best team for every day during the year is not the worst thing in the world, especially when you put it in context, everybody else. I think the expectations are fine. I think the overreaction to not quite, and I mean quite, not quite, not like, like six and seven. They're not six and seven. They're still 10 and three. Yeah, so exactly. they're not quite matching expectations. The overreaction to it is what gets me. Oh my God, the sky's falling. Your organization yeah, sucks. Yeah. You need I mean, to look for a new quarterback. Oh, Sirianni on the hot seat. That's the it's not the expectations. I think the expectations are fair. When you go to the Super Bowl the year before and you lose on the next to last play of the game, when you open up the season at 10 and 1, yeah, here's the bar. It just keeps going up and well, it should. But when you have a little slip up, when you have a stumble, and they were two ugly stumbles. Don't, don't be looking to tear down the entire organization. It's not yeah, the expectation. Exactly. It's the overreaction too. Well, I, I, I agree. You probably filtered it down better than me, but I think they stem from the expectations, which were, you know, the assumption that they're so much better than everybody else. Uh, and that's where the overreaction comes to. So when you have a, a little bit of a hiccup and Nick has tried to, you know, say this numerous times during the year, you're going to have some adversity and how do you handle that adversity in this league is pretty much going to define how good you are as a team. 
Um, he's tried to do that, but you know, it's very difficult to get people to listen when you're 10 and one and you keep winning games. And then all of a sudden the adversity shows up and everybody, I mean, it, it's just, I, I, I don't even know the adjective you want to use, but it's unhinged that, you know, people screaming and it could be fans. It could be other media people, whomever now in our industry, it tends to get rewarded. So I think some of it's manufactured, but um, it, it, in the case of coordinators and head coaches being fired, I mean, that's just nuts. There are four teams in this league who are 10 and three, Jody, four teams, 32 teams play. Too, right. Are they firing their coordinators? Some of them did. And they generally make bad decisions. Um, but most of them didn't, uh, you know, uh, and usually when you fire a coordinator or a head coach in season, it's got to do with more personality clashes than anything else. Um, you know, if the quarterback's not getting along with the offensive coordinator, maybe you got to make a move. In this case, they're thick as thieves. So it, it, it's not, um, it, it doesn't come into fruition. But, you know, if the head coach, if the defensive coordinator is going off the reservation, not doing what the head coach wants, something like that. Um, that's when guys get fired. You don't get fired when you're 10 and three and you've had the best record in this league for 33 consecutive weeks. That's not how it works. I don't, I, now you can criticize them all you want. You can look at certain games and say, so-and-so should have done this and they should do it more with players as well. Uh, certain, anybody's up for criticism. That's part of the, the gig. And Nick Sirianni talked about that yesterday. You know, that's part of it. And we're big boys and blah, blah, blah. We can take it. Um, so I have no problem with criticism. But I, I got to tell you, the people saying so-and-so should be fired, you're unhinged. You're you're looking like a goofball. I mean, that is illogical. I don't know what other way to say it. You, you want unhinged? I'll give you unhinged. I actually took the call last night. I had some fun uh, because I wanted to find a different way to – make suggestions about how do you stop the bleeding with the uh, Eagles. So I said, if you had Nick Sirianni's cell phone number and you could shoot him a text, if you needed to fake and pretend you were Frank Wright, go, go, go mm. for it. Just so you know, he listens and pays attention to you. How I would you thought of that, man? I got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm technically challenged too. So I couldn't do it either. Uh, but just a, a, a different type of way to say, how would you suggest that they make changes in life? Oh, I did get a call last night that said, maybe they need to think about making a change of quarterback. Now we derided the hell out of David Carr last week David, for yeah. suggesting that, uh, Oh, I had an Eagle fan tell me the same thing last night that the drop off in Jalen's performance from this year, from last year is so drastic that we might not have the right QB. We might be evaluating for not only this year, but for the future as well. And I had to stop him and just say, I, I'm not even going to talk about level of play. The, the Eagles, when they cut Carson Wentz, took the biggest dead cap hit in the history of the National Football League. There were some very learned people like our buddy Andrew Brand who said they won't do that. That just it's it's suicidal. I said it too. Oh, yeah. And they did it. Yeah. And they did it. That would so pale in comparison to the dead cap they hit that they would if they moved on from Jalen Hurts, wanted to either trade him or cut him. So forget about even evaluating his play, which always should be the most important. 
It's not happening. Why? Why would you even go there? It's the overreaction to yes, short term underachievement. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles have done these last two weeks. Short term underachievement, big time underachievement, getting their asses kicked. Uh, but that's all that it is. Lose the quarterback, lose the coach, fire the coordinators. It does sometimes boggle my mind. Uh, and I did have to deal with some of those calls last night on WIP. It was actually a fun show, but uh, I was shaking my head. Yeah, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm at the point because I had to do a show last night with Talon, our, 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 our other producer here at Jacob Sports, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm just like, I, I, I mean, come on, people. I, I mean, this, this stuff is, and what are you going to do? Nobody thinks about what they're going to do um, if you fire. You know, well, most of them say just hire Frank Reich, Frank and Reich right. everything fixes. Defensively, what are you going to do? What do you, you know, what do you, what do you, what are you going to do? What's your plan? What's your magic plan? Um, boy, I, 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 you, you handle it better than me, Jody. I, I I'm, I, I'm just incredulous when I hear stuff like that. It, 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 do you know where this team is in the standard of this league? Right. Uh, but uh, name I threw out, you echoed uh, Frank Reich. Oh, he could come in immediately and be their offense coordinator. Uh, they're not doing that. And Nick was pretty borderline dismissive when the question came up yesterday. Oh, he was dismissive. You... He yeah. was dismissive. Not, well, not borderline. It was, it was in your face dismissive. In yeah, your well, a little inside baseball. You know, I and by the way, as a reporter, and it was our buddy Tim McManus doing, doing a good job. He was first up yesterday, so. Kudos to Tim. Tim knows he's not taking back play calling, but he wants to get him on the record, right? Um, to 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 say he's not taking back play calling. Um, he has made it very clear uh, to us that he he doesn't want to take back play calling, whether it's Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, or coordinator three or four down the road. Um, he does not want to take play calling because he wants to manage the game, and I've talked about it. I applaud him for that mm-hmm. i i'd like ceo coaches now that doesn't mean he wouldn't make a change in play calling if he felt it was a necessity and i always said if something like that would happen kevin patula would take over the play calling uh, but it wouldn't be nick so that's probably why i was a little bit more dismissive of it um but again even coaches don't know we're trying to get things on the record um as as opposed to just you know he probably takes it as she's trying to get tweaked, and that's why he was dismissive. So, anyway, little little inside baseball, right? And and you're right, good on Timmy because every once in a while I'll have a goofy question. Like, hey, John, how about you ask this? You roll your eyes at me, go. We get one question. We we gotta we, we gotta kind of ask the most important question we see it. Not not the I, I bring up foolish things, but sometimes a little more minute things. And you guys have to hit some major notes. Are you changing the play calling is a major note. So Timmy took fun for the team and said, I need, we all need to get him on the record for this. And they did it. Uh, he did it. So uh, good on Tim. Uh, again, here would be a question I think is, is absolutely deserved to be asked. Has he reached out to Frank Reich? Has he said anything about talking to Frank Reich since his uh, firing in Carolina, whether it's formal, informal, Two boys talking on the phone. Yeah, I called Frank and it said uh, on his message machine, I am not available for the next nine weeks. 
I will get back to you sometime after Christmas. See you. Bye. Has anybody established if there has been any contact between the Eagles and Frank Reich? Yeah, there's constant contact between Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich. He's his largest mentor. Frank Reich has been a pseudo um, consultant to the Philadelphia Eagles when he's been the head coach of other teams. The two are very close. The two constantly. Now, as you get bogged down in the season, you're probably not texting as much as, as normal. He's always in contact with Frank. And my assumption is that, as I said, you know, will it be official? Probably not. It will never be official as long as David Tepper still got to pay him money. Um, you know, that probably throws some things. But he he always, Frank's his most trusted source when he wants to bounce something off Frank Reich, he can do it at a whim. So there's, you know, I think people get too caught up in, official titles he's not coming in as offensive coordinator he's not coming in as a senior consultant um but he's always bouncing things off it uh they they they, um you know he's got a bunch of guys uh and i keep forgetting his name the special teams coach from houston has been helping the entire year nobody knows about it um because it's not official they're just friends um yeah, they're human beings. They have friends, and they generally have friends in the industry. And if you like something somebody's doing, you text him and say, what's this? What's that? What's that? He's very close to Frank Reich. So unofficially, he's always he's always been in contact since he got here. He's always been in contact with Frank Reich. And uh, they they could make it formal if they wanted to. Uh, John, I didn't see the contract that Frank Reich signed. And you can put in certain clauses and write contracts differently. You have standard NFL coaching contracts, and they have some that uh, vary a little bit. He can't not get paid. He the, the contract he signed, I'm 99% sure, again, having never seen it, that they can with uh, they can uh, cut future payments off. He could come and work for the, the Eagles and Sirianni, and even if it has layoff language, he'd just get paid by the Eagles whatever they agreed to for however many games, uh, whatever agreement they come up to. And he might get that much less from the Panthers. So some people would say that would be working for free. Uh, you're doing it for free. Coach is coach. Yeah, he would do it. He would potentially do it for free for his buddy, Nick Sirianni. If asked, if he wanted to, I've talked to guy. I know you've talked to guys that that's their life. If they're not coaching, they're annoying the snot out of their wife. They're ruining golf clubs. They can't even handle not doing what they do every day of their life, which has been be around football, either from a player to a coach or directly as a coach for you. Some guys can't live without it. And if someone says, you want to come up, give us a hand, I'll be on the next flight. And they do it. And they don't worry about, oh, well, I'm doing it. And I'm not, I, I could sit home and do it for that. Well, he had the chance to sit home and he's driving himself nuts. So he gets on a plane, he comes to Philadelphia, lends a helping hand. Uh, I don't think the contract has anything to do with him. And we don't even know the deals made him an offer to come up and be uh, formally on the staff. But I don't think that's the reason that he's not doing it. I'd, I'd love to know why, but better to ask 
Frank Reich that directly, the ethnic share. We can find out through Sirianni, but I'd like to know what just Frank is planning. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, uh, another part of it is I, I don't think they would do that to, to Brian Johnson because you do have this groundswell. And of they signed, that, they signed Matt Patricia when uh, you had a first year defensive coordinator, right? Uh, a little bit different. And in and, and, and the fact that most Eagles fans were, why the hell are you bringing in Matt Patricia versus they did it. You know, fr- Frank? No, but the Frank's a savior. They think Frank oh, walks God. on water. You, you, you um, think that Howie Roseman is making a call like that, depending on how he thinks Eagle nation is going to react. Yes. In this instance, because um, there's a little bit different Then you're putting extreme pressure on the offensive coordinator. You're not putting any pressure on the defensive coordinator by bringing in somebody nobody likes and match probably help, but fans I'm talking about fans. Um, I'm not talking about it as a football mind. In the in the case of Frank Reich, you've already seen it. You should hire him to be the offensive coordinator today. He should be in there tomorrow calling plays. You really want to put that on the offensive coordinator? I don't know. I wouldn't. I'd say that. I think Howie's too smart for that. Yeah, I'll stand by my – you did it with Matt Patricia. If you do it with Frank Reich, it's the same thing. When you brought Frank – and Matt Patricia, yeah, across all the NFL because he was a failed uh, head coach. Oh, by the way, hate to say this, Frank Reich is now a failed head coach too. Uh, but uh, people didn't go, oh, my God, he's coming to actually just uh, take this size job. No, they were like. You don't see do the want- difference in Philadelphia between Frank Reich and Matt Patricia? I see the, the, the no in that the most important thing was Anytime you bring in a bigger name from outside, he's going to be looking over the shoulder of the guy who's actually got the job. And they did that with Patricia. He was a bigger name. He was the defensive coordinator of a multi-time winning Super Bowl team. And you've got a first-year guy who's a first-year guy here in Philadelphia. You'd only done it one year elsewhere in Chicago. If you're talking about looking over the shoulder thing, it's the same thing for me. Uh, Frank's helping anyway. So what? What's the big deal? The formality of it. Uh, if if you tell me that's the case, um, I'll believe you. But again, I I know he's officially helping when he's on the staff. He's probably helping. How much he's helping? Whatever. Again, uh, we we don't know. We can speculate, uh, and I think it's pretty good speculation that he's helping in some way, shape, or form. That much I'm going to take your word for. All right, McDonald and McMullen here with you on Birds 365. Uh, I see Mike Gill. Michael's donning a red T-shirt today. The question is, what does that T-shirt say? And what does Mike Gill have to say about the struggling after losing two straight games, Philadelphia Eagles? Gill's up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. McMullen, McDonald, and look who's here. Are we, are we cutting into a meal there? It looked like you were chewing. You got uh, gum work no this morning or something? All right. Don't, if you need to get a snack, go ahead and we'll wait for you. No, we're just pimping Mike uh, Gill. All right. Mike Gill with the red, downing the red today. Uh, pan down there, brother. What are you wearing? What are you oh, wearing? yeah. This is my friends over at the Sam Boners. Uh, said to me, what, uh, where? Can you repeat, repeat that, please? The Sam Boners. They're a uh, bunch of sandwich uh, aficionados. That's Colin, Colin Thompson's area. involved in yes, that, this isn't is, he? Uh, one of Colin mm-hmm. Thompson's shows that uh, the gentlemen uh, that you go around uh, eating sandwiches all over Philadelphia and Jersey. <laughs> I would just generally speak. Now, this is going to be the second day in a row. Because yesterday, John accused me of attacking Les Bowen. And I didn't. I attacked the word John. Uh, I'm not attacking you Colin. You attack less. I did not. Go ahead. I did not. Um, uh, I would, I'm not attacking Colin Thompson or that establishment, but just generally speaking, I would keep the word boner out of my name. <laughs> if I wanted to ever sell any, uh, accoutrement to a female, uh, potential buyer, that just me as it's the same thing again, Jody overreactive McDonald can't stand the word. John doesn't want to use the word boner in a restaurant name. Yeah. All right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just mad. Colin Colin's giving out swag, and I didn't get it. I'm I'm he's getting a text. Well, I'm a guest on the show every. Uh, oh, on there Monday. we go. There we go. Yeah. All right. But by the way, I don't know. I have the uh, the bathrooms guys. They're remodeling my bathroom, so my normal uh, sitting area. There's a lot of noise, so I'm like tucked in a standing up in a corner over here. So I don't know if you can hear them, but. No, no, we hear you, which is we good. That's you. why we bring you on is to hear you. Um, so we we uh, not 100% true on the boner red shirt. All right, we'll move on. Um, 
I should have wore the gray one. Gray. You have multiple choices. Oh, now McMullen's really pissed that yeah. uh, you've got dueling shirts and he has. No, well, there. Mike goes on the show. That's understandable now. Okay. I don't go on the Sam Boner I'm show. A permanent, I'm a permanent uh, third chair on that show. There oh, we go. See, okay. now it makes sense. Good job. Um, uh, have you reached the level of panic? Because John and I established first segment of the show today. There is a percentage of the Eagle fan base that's ready to change the coach, change the coordinator. <laughs> I got changed the quarterback last night, which just made me almost nuts. Uh, I get it. it it's uh, people in general, in life, and certainly in sports, overreact to short-term things. Uh, how bad is this? Is it just the fringe few that are idiotic? Or do you think there is actually some legit numbers in rumbling that are overreacting? Well, I don't think it's a uh, um, a legit few. I do think there are is a large portion of the fan base that is hitting the panic button here. Um, I think it's human nature to see two back-to-back games not go the way that you hope or anticipate it, and then cha- reformulate your opinion I like to get a little bit more than a two-game sample size to make me change the way that I view something. Do I think they played well? No. Do I think that they didn't play well because the two teams they played were better than them? I think on those two days, it's clear that they were the better football teams. I talk about this a lot for the people watching. I talked about this yesterday. Miami beat Denver 70-20 to by 50. If Denver and Miami played this week, are you positive that Miami wins that game against Denver? Probably not. I mean, Denver's a pretty good team since that game. In fact, they lost by 50 in that game and then won the very next week. The margin of victory, I think, is something that fans get so overblown about. It doesn't matter if you lose 48 to 3 or 3 to nothing in the event of the Raiders. That game is done and over with. It's now how do you move on and learn from these two losses? Look, I don't want to make excuses about the schedule, but that was those two games were not in the most ideal spot in the schedule. You got two teams getting 10 days rest, two teams who are right there with you. You give them a little bit of an advantage of three extra days to sit and watch you, you're going to get some exposure there. And I think we saw at a stage of the season where they both had 11 and 12 weeks to watch and they had some extra rest. The Eagles fumbling three times didn't help that situation. What <laughs> happened with those three drives, which were all – the one was at the 49. The other two were on the on the Dallas side. Of the the one uh, that DeMonte usually catches that ball, that's a touchdown. The other one, AJ's at the three-yard line or the two-yard line. You know, maybe they don't punch it in, but it's certainly uh, three points. Um, yeah, I I don't yeah. think they won the game. I think Dallas was the better those, team. That game but... is, uh, yeah, those games are the Dallas game specifically. There's a handful of plays that that game turns on that just get away from you, and then you look at the score and it's like, well, Dallas just kicked your ass. Yeah, they did because you fumbled three times. You dropped. I mean, the the throw that he makes to Smith in the back of the end, or you know, Smith's kind of waving for it. You know, he makes that catch. I don't know that I've ever seen him not make that throw. I know. Catch. And That's you're like, what I said. Those two guys, Brown and Smith, looked so disinterested. Smith looked like he had saw a ghost or something. Like somebody told him, 
hey, <laughs> something before the game that just rattled him. And then well, he, he did get no whacked uh, pretty hard early in the game, if you remember. I think they might have uh, they might have put something in Devontae's mind. That's just they really hit him hard early in the game. He, he always yeah, catches he, that he pass, always. And Brown and Brown seemed like the whole thing with him and Gilmore just got, you know, it just consumed him so much that he was so out of the game. He didn't have a terrible game, by the way. Nine for 96 is a pretty good day at the office. But, yeah, uh, so, no, I'm not ready to hit the panic button after a two-game sample size. Now, I had an interesting text to my show yesterday, which was, this team has not played a complete game the entire season. Is that game coming, or is this version of the Eagles essentially who they are? Yeah, I'm much more concerned about the San Francisco game than the Dallas game for the reasons you mentioned, Mike. There were a handful of plays that the Eagles just yeah, uh, crapped the bet on where San Francisco just beat them. I mean, they just beat them soundly. Um, so a little bit more concerned with the matchup, potential matchup down the line with the 49ers. I think Eagles-Cowboys, bottom line, if, if it's here, the Eagles probably win. If it's there, Dallas probably wins. That's how close those two teams are. Um, and I think they'll uh, certainly battle back and forth. The Eagles have the easier schedule down the stretch than Dallas. But to talk about, you know, you mentioned those are two great players, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. They both dropped big passes that could have resulted in points, and they both fumbled uncharacteristically. Although AJ almost fumbled in that, I think Bill's game as well, so he might be pressing a little bit. Um, why there are certain players, and it's very nebulous, and you see it by addition of Slay and Bradbury, who were former stars that are now getting shat upon a bit by some of the fan base. So it can change overnight, but boy, people dive on their swords for the players. And the coaches, it's like Brian Johnson's got to fix that. Well, what, has he got to call a play where they don't fumble? Does he got to call a play where they catch the football? Is that good play calling? What's good play calling, Mike Gill? Uh, the coach criticism is always, to me, the byproduct of the fan believes that they have enough knowledge to take that job. They are not good enough to be the wide receiver. So therefore, since I could tell you what play to run in their mind, therefore, I am qualified to tell the coaches it's not good enough. I'm not qualified to make that catch. I'm not qualified to get open. But I am qualified in their mind to be the play caller or to decide whether you should run and or pass. Uh, Brian Johnson, look, let's go back. To, I heard you guys before I came on. Frank Reich, there was questions on whether he even called the plays while he was here. Now they want him to come in after being fired twice to take over play call. He didn't call Shane Steichen, he was the play caller here the first year with, with Jalen Hurts. That didn't go so well. People were like, what the heck is this offense? Well, then the next year, he kind of grew into that position. Brian Johnson has done a pretty good job. They got a top five offense in, in the league. You can't just cut the court on these guys after 10 games and say they aren't good at their job and just move on and then keep recycling a guy. And then eight games into that guy's tenure say, well, he's not any good either. The next guy comes in. 
Sirianni was a play caller here. People didn't like him. Now you wanted to take the play calling back. Like, let somebody grow into these jobs so that they can become a Shane Steichen. Steichen wasn't hey, By the way, uh, to your point, Mike, I thought that was a good point. But you, you bring up the fans know they can't do what A.J. Devante does. But doesn't shouldn't that identify which part of the equation is also more important? It's always talent first. It's always the players first. The the coaches aren't just magic, you know, fairy dust making bad players into good players. You got to have really, really talented players. And if your really talented players don't perform on a particular game day, you're probably going to lose no matter what the coaches do. Shouldn't that exemplify that? This is the by. I think it's also the byproduct of when the coach gets up on the, you know, post-game pressure and says, the old Andy Reid, we need to do a better job. We got to coach him up. We got to go, go watch the film. You're telling the fans that, that hey, this is on us. They're saying, you told it's us, it's on you. We're putting it on you. That's so true. there is a little bit of the coaches do like to take the blame for why things don't go well. And look, they're not upset. You talk to anybody. Colin Thompson does my show on Tuesdays. He played in the league. And I asked him yesterday, what do you see of this team? Well, they got to go coach them up a little bit different and, and do this. So I think the players also, in their mind, sometimes when things aren't going well, they default to the coaching. What are we hearing right now about what's going on out there? Well, some players don't think they, they think it's too predictable out there. So there is some element that the coaches – like. Football coaches do have a larger role. I think the basketball coach gets blamed way too much. The baseball manager gets blamed way too much. The football coach calls every single play. They are they have a hand in every play that gets called. Uh, so there is some element of them, but I do think that it's ridiculous that when things – now, that being said, it is preposterous. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, you're freezing up on it. Freezing up a bit. Preposterous. Uh, What is preposterous? I I hope I know what he meant by preposterous before he got dropped. What were you saying was preposterous? No. Got a little bit of a laugh. I said it's preposterous that a offense with this talent, with this talent, can't score. So there is some blame to go around somewhere, I would imagine. Who gets... The, the bulk of the blame for a team with this talent that can't score. All right. Speaking of preposterous, um, and I know we got to get to the defense because truth be told, that's a bigger issue than the offense right now. But I got one more offensive question. Six games, nine targets, seven catches, 49 yards. That's Quez Watkins. Yet the coach prior to the season tried to tell us how great Quez Watkins was and how hard he was working. And if you're looking for somebody to have a bust out year, look right at Quez. And we had Quez step up and go, yeah, I, I need to be elite this year. He, his choice of words, not mine, Quez's own, elite this year. Do I need to give you the stats again? Seven tar- uh, nine targets, seven catches, seven yards a catch. What happened to the elite Quez Watkins, a.k.a. the head, as per the head coach and the player himself? 
Well, he was hurt for a little while there, but I will say yesterday, Sirianni was asked right, about the receiver's I, I gave you targets. Seven seven games. Said, oh, listen, uh, if he, if he I, I don't if he played every game, yeah, his stats aren't going to look great. But I'm saying he did miss a big chunk of the season, and then you know, getting him back involved. But that being said, Sirianni gave you the answer yesterday. Our offense runs through those three guys. He didn't he need said to be that a hundred. They're the three guys that are going to get it all the targets. Yeah, so, he said that a hundred times. So when he was asked, so when he was asked about it in preseason, and he said, "If you're looking for a guy to step up and prove and be better, you look right at Quez Watkins." So that was complete and utter bullshit. That he knew that Susan, Susan season started. We're going to throw it to AJ. We're going to throw it to Devontae. We're going to throw it to God. The other guys are out there for just window dressing. Did did, did when is he lying to me? Then or now? Yeah, just like he Neither, told me, Trace Sherman. Was- yeah. He's trying to boost the confidence the of a player that struggled last year. We're getting Just, lag from Mike. Can we try to bring uh, Mike down and try to bring him up, see if it helps, uh, Sander? Uh, yeah, I would say neither. He's not lying to you either. He's trying to buoy the confidence of a player that was struggling and a player uh, you know, getting a lot of criticism. Um, but he has said consistently, both in front of the cameras, and he did it again yesterday, as Mike pointed out, and behind the cameras, our offense runs through A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. It is Shane. Originally, it was A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae has jumped ahead of Dallas. But it's the same three guys. He said it 100 times if he said it once. He said it again yesterday. Everybody was fine with it when they were 10-1. and one. Now, everybody's not fine with it when they're 10-3. and three. But they will continue to run the passing offense, those those three guys. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's that's right, so that's now, now my now my question to you, John, because we brought it up yeah, here yesterday. Like he, he, they didn't target another player all game. Is that acceptable? Because she, the head coach says no, so. We just no. target these three guys. If you expect anything else, you, you're whistling in the wind. We're not going to do that. We're going to throw it to the three stars we have. Any other guys are out there for, I know, can't really tell you what reason is, but they, I guess you got to field 11 players. So is it or isn't it acceptable that they just have these three guys that they throw the ball to, that the offense runs through? Mike? Do we have Mike? Now he's asking you, John. Um, well, I want to get back. Um, I think if I'm still you. here, I, by the way, my, my signal strength is strong, so I don't know what's going on if it's on my end or not. But that being said, um, is it acceptable? No, not if your offense is, is – look, I said the other day, when A.J. Brown had 125 yards a game for six straight games, somebody said to me, well, the, the, the offense is pedestrian. They don't have motion. I said he had 125 yards for six straight games. Nobody's complaining. We start to complain when things start to come to happen here. The thing is, they have to now figure out why is it happened. You were getting 125 yards a game. No one's complaining. Now – we're saying, why don't they throw the ball to Quez Watkins? Who the hell cares about Quez Watkins? Get the ball back to A.J. Brown and let him get 125 yards a game, and I think things will start to get better. The question is, why is Brown not being a bigger part of the offense? Why is Smith fumbling the ball? Not why is Quez Watkins not a part of the offense? He wasn't a part of the offense today, yesterday, the day before, last year, or at any point of his Eagles career. It's not a Quez Watkins problem right now. This is the basic fundamentals of this offense, that they can't get the ball to, by the way, two guys who had over a thousand yards, a tight end who had on pace for a thousand yards. 
If they can't the ball with those three, there's a lot of teams out there saying, we have nowhere near what you have, and we don't have a problem moving the ball. What's your excuse? So what's the ex- – it's not Quez Watkins isn't the problem of this offense. I Then, then maybe I, I got a thing about Quez. Never mentioned a running back. Coach, do you not plan on running the ball the rest of the year since the offense runs through – AJ Devante Goddard go. Oh, he meant the he, 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 to be fair. He meant the passing offense, but um, you know, and you know, if you don't make things clear, people can take it in different directions. So he probably wants to make that more clear. But he meant the passing offense. He said it a hundred times. That's why I can say that. But um, as far as not distributing the football to around a little bit more. And you were the one who brought this up and correctly. So yesterday, because I think that was a big problem in Dallas on one week. I think it was a big problem. You can't just throw it to three guys in an NFL game. And I brought up all the other games about even rookie uh, quarterbacks distributing the ball right. to seven, eight, eight different eight, players, nine t- different guys yeah. get targeted. And you went back to the the San Francisco game where they got waxed, and they they threw it to four, uh, five, six, seven, seven players. So that was an anomaly on one week in Dallas, and that's unacceptable. You can't go through a game and not get anybody else involved. But that brings me, guys, to the quarterback. And Dan, I don't know if you saw it, Mike. I don't know if you saw it, Jody, but Dan Orlovsky did a great breakdown of three different plays, which people killing the head coach or the offensive coordinator. And this is a former quarterback telling you the progression. So I always tell fans, film is great, but make sure you trust the guy telling you what the film is. This is a former NFL quarterback that understands progressions. As Mike goes through the house, uh, gives us a little bit of tour. Hopefully, he gets back. He's got it's, his own progression going. It, yeah. I'm, I'm trusting Gil with his progressions here. Trusting him with his progression. So, Dan, everybody should go look at it. Dan did a great job. I retweeted it. You can go to my X account, Twitter account, whatever you want to do. And clearly, he points out the prog- progression, where the ball's got to go. This is progression one, progression two, progression three. In all three instances, Jalen Hurts had an open receiver. One time it was Devontae. One time it was Dallas. It was At one time it was AJ. The three big guys didn't throw the ball. Didn't throw it. Didn't come out. It, it, the quarterback is having issues right now, Mike and Jody. And for whatever reason, things are muddy to him right now. Maybe it's the opposition, but it's a concern. And Dan put it out there for everybody to see. So uh, we should be listening to David Carr and they should be trying to. No. Uh, well, there's uh, a big difference between you missed a progression and you should be benched for Marcus Mariota. Right. There's a, there's, like I said, it's okay to criticize players in the moment, but there are certain players the fan base tries to protect, and they want to blame the failings of the quarterback on the offensive coordinator. What you saw and what Dan laid out, these plays are working. If the ball goes in the right direction, there are open receivers. Yeah. Right yeah, now, well, I, I contend that. I contended last week that 
David Karsten got blown out of proportion. I don't think he articulated very well. What I think he was trying to say was, if Hertz is not healthy, you're not winning. Like, you're not winning the Super Bowl with a, this version of Jalen Hurts. So maybe let him sit down and get himself back to 100% so that you have the best version of him. Because the version you have now, not going to be good enough. That doesn't mean Mariota's the better player. I think he was looking at the big picture saying, if you really want to win a Super Bowl, you need your best version of Jalen Hurts. And the one you have right now is not it. Now, is the then, then let me, let me ask. Let me ask both of you guys, and, and you first, Mike. Uh, John just pointed out, Dan Orlovsky pointed out, uh, going through three particular plays, and you can do that with basically any game. When it's over and done with, find the three plays where the quarterback was a little tentative in getting the ball out to make a point. I, 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 I like Orlovsky. I think he's very good. But uh, I'm not going to put a ton of stock in that because he went through the entire game film. He found the three plays that fit his narrative, and those are the ones they show on television. But even the fact that there were three means there's something there. How much uh, we can debate here. What do you do? Do you really give any thought process? That could or lots, could uh, Carr be right that Jalen needs to sit? Is the knee the reason he's not pulling the trigger? Is it that he's lost confidence in every? He, he continues to listen to Sirianni uh, go up there and go. We throw to three guys, and they're the only three guys, and it's Goddard, it's it's AJ, and it's that's what our passing offense runs through. Is Jalen Heron going now? Yeah, I'm not throwing it to a running back because coach doesn't want me throwing it to a running back. What's the fix? How do you get around it? If we acknowledge that Jalen's not pulling the trigger the way he did last year as an MVP candidate, how do you get him to do it again? That, that's a that's a fair question as to why is this happening then? If there are plays to be made, why is he not pulling the trigger? And then how do you get him to do it? You know, yep. my biggest problem with Hurts right now would be I, I think it's clear and obvious that their running game stinks because they don't have a running game. They're not running anything. They're running the same thing with the quarterback being no threat to run. So when the quarterback's no threat to run, these ends and linebackers, they're just crashing the running back and blowing these plays up in the backfield where before they had to stop and read what is Hurts going to do. They have no thought that Hurts is going to keep the ball. The only play they run with him is they'll run that quarterback delay drive right up the, the left side or right side and have him do it where he fumbled. But as far as their run game with the RPO, he is not involved in that at all. And I think that has teams saying there's a whole element of your offense that used to keep us off you know, you, you keep us off balance. That is no longer there. So you're going to have to. Now, you can make the argument, Jody, that their offense is pretty basic, but that's fine if you have that element to the offense right. that says when things aren't going well, we can add this. And then when you think you have that, we can go back to our because we have three really stud players. So bang, bang, bang. But if this element of the game, the running attack is out, now your basic passing game is becoming a little bit more the thing you lean on. And if you're going to lean on that as much as they do, it's got to be a little bit more creative. Diverse. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, uh, Mike, about uh, 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 David Carr, you're right. And we brought up the context. He was talking about the injury as well. And and But who does that? It's week 15 in the NFL. Every quarterback's banged up. Your quarterbacks play through it. Sometimes it's an issue with their knees. Sometimes it's an issue. Geno Smith had been playing through uh, a host of injuries until last week, wasn't able to go. Maybe he goes this week. Maybe he doesn't. He's got a groin. He's got an elbow. 
Um, guys play through this. You don't bench quarterbacks uh, because they have something, you know, the old the old adage in the NFL, are you injured or are you hurt? Right. Jalen Hurts is hurt, um, and he's got to play through it because he's he's the number one quarterback. So how does he get back to where he's effective enough to get the Eagles over the hump against good football teams? That's the question. You're not going to bench him to get him healthy. Um, that Nobody does that. So I still think yeah. uh, David Carr deserves criticism for throwing that hot take out there. But, yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, the context wasn't there for a lot of people. I, I would just say about Jalen, and Jody's right as well, you know, my only point was the progressions because I go back to it's all together. The, the play calls – I say to you, Mike, I say to you, Jody, all the time, nobody judge play calls. They judge play results. Yep. They don't know what the play call is. So they can say this is a bad play call. What I was trying to turn people to Dan is because he's showing you the progression. He's showing you, okay, this is number one. This is number two. This is number three. From an NFL quarterback's eyes, he knows where the football's got to go. This guy's not open. Got to go here. Got to go here. Can I jump in for a second, John? If it's that easy for Dan Orvlosky in his studio in Bristol, Connecticut, why can't the defense figure it out? If it's that easy to just be able to tell by the way they line up and the first two steps a receiver takes, oh, he's the first progression. He's the guy. The defense can't do that too? No, not not in the first two steps, no. I mean, that, that the, the offense has – defense is reactionary. Now, a defensive coach – can put on the film and tell you right away after the after the play what they're trying to do. Uh, any defensive, any NFL defensive coach, they can figure it out. That's why, you know, we, I I kind of chuckle at when you always have that question about a player going to a new team who was on an old team helping out the defensive coach. Now they look at the film and they know before the stinking player of what's going on. But when things are coming at you a hundred miles an hour, no, you can't judge right away what the progression is. The quarterback better damn know. Well, damn well. Know so what the so our lot, our lot, doing 20, 20 hindsight is what you're saying. He's, he's not figuring out as it goes. No. Well, the quarterback knows the progression of a particular play. The quarterback has to know the progression of every single play that is run during the game. Um, and when a guy is open, that's the more difficult part. When it's progression two instead of progression one, um, you know, you got to get to that quickly and make the decision or you got to move on. Uh, so it's not it's it's very difficult to do. But our understanding the progression part of it is impossible for me, Jody McDonald, Mike Gill fans who think they know where the football is supposed to go, the Jack Stoll play. I still get the Jack Stoll play every day. Nick just told you. Dan just told you. These are the progressions. Progression number one in Nick Sirianni's offense is never going to be Jack Stoll. I shouldn't say never. You never know what happens. Injuries 99% of the time. So if you're sitting there saying, oh, ball's got to go to Jack Stoll, no, 
that's probably not n the number one progression. You you can. Well, feel it's very also part of the reason why it's also part of the reason why they don't throw the ball to the running back. We talked about this in the offseason yeah. when they got Swift. Swift catches the ball so much. The problem is they don't throw the ball to the running back. Why? Because he's the fourth, the fifth guy on the progression. So I'm looking at Brown. I'm looking at Smith. Uh, Smith. I'm looking at Goddard. By the time that happens, I'm taking off and running. So I don't have the chance to throw the ball, dump it off to the running back. And that's why the running backs in this offense don't get the amount of touches they really should in the pass game. I mean, for DeAndre Swift to come here and not be a big part of the passing attack, you draft Kenny Gainwell, who played wide receiver in college, and then make him a pass blocker and not throw him the ball at all is kind of a malpractice. All right, I'm flipping it over to the defense. We've talked solely the offense so far. And oh, by the way, the defense has stunk two weeks in a row. Six straight touchdowns from San Francisco, right down the field by the Cowboys. They never get them to punt. Ridiculous. Uh, so I need to ask you a defensive question. And I'm going down my hypothetical route because of a call I took last night on my show on WIP. Mike Gill, second play of the game this Sunday. Hassan Reddick turns an ankle, he's out. They got to take him back to the locker room. Can't play. Oh, boy. Done for the day. Trying to scare people. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Who are they putting at defensive end? They got Nolan Smith out there last week for more plays than usual. Usually the 10 to 12 guy. He actually played 20. In case you didn't see the PFF grades, second worst player on the Philadelphia Eagles, Nolan Smith. So maybe they know something. He's just not ready to play yet. Shame on him for using the 30th pick on a draft on a guy who's not ready to play 13 weeks into the season, but the facts are the facts. Which of the defensive tackles would you move outside to get some snaps? Do the Eagles have a guy in their defensive tackle rotation where they're certainly deeper than defensive end right now that you would move outside to maybe give you a couple snaps? I know they probably haven't cross-trained anybody at that this year, but if you had to do it in an emergency, who would you move outside out of the DTs? I mean, you might see more of the an alignment with Fletcher, Jalen Carter, I guess, would probably get bumped out there and play Jordan Davis, Fletcher, and, and Jalen all at the same time. You might get more Milton Williams, who, you know, is a guy that has the shorter arms, but maybe a little quicker that would get some snaps on the outside. You probably just would get a a bulk load more of uh, Brandon Graham. I mean, th that would be a horrendous situation. I will say this. You flip it over to the other side of the ball. Josh Swiss had a rough day at the office against Trent Williams over there, which a lot of people do. But, yeah. you know, it shows you how important Reddick is that if he gets no pass rush, um, you know, you can't. The, the, the games that they have lost is because their front four or five or whatever they got up there is not winning their battles. In the games they had some troubles in, the Washington game, that was a game you were like, wow, they didn't get enough pressure. When they don't get pressure, they got big problems. And if you took Reddick off the field, that would be – this would be a really bad defense because the pressure got it right. is just not consistent enough. The answer is Milt Williams. Yeah, Milton. And by the way, Jody, Milton's done it. Fletcher's done it. Jalen's done yeah. it. So they have a bunch of guys that can do it. But, uh, a, yeah, it'd be nice to get Nolan Smith involved, I would say. What do you that. guys – they they made it – I was watching – when I was watching the game, I think Tarikos at one point, they were highlighting Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham about how long they've been there. But the thing that stood out to me that makes you kind of say, huh, you know, a 34-year-old and 35-year-old Brandon Graham still getting it done, and you're thinking, if you're relying on 34- and 35-year-old guys, and they are two of your keys – 
I don't know how much legs you – I mean, you might just have a team that's starting to hit the, the the empty part of the gas tank. I mean, you look at Julio Jones and say, my man's got nothing left in the tank. The no. Eagles are relying on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of guys who are at that 30-year-old, and they used to have that role. If you were 30, you were done. They cut you. They brought back Fletcher. They brought Graham. They signed – you know, buyer, they trade for buyer. They brought Bradbury back. I mean, you're starting to see guys. You wonder at this stage of the season, they did. They, and I, was it you, John, that maybe said they could have relied on some younger players that by this time of the season? But the comment that Tarico made about Fletcher and Brandon and how much they play and how important they are kind of tells the story to me why that defense is leaking oil. It did because they, this defense was pretty solid earlier in the year they were very good run defense and now all of a sudden they can't stop the run and they can't stop a nosebleed in the secondary you look around and say man there's a lot of older guys out there they haven't found a corner a young corner that can play the linebacking situation you just keep plugging holes you keep trying to find a guy off the street and then you're relying on some older guys up front yeah, that's fair. And especially when you talk about how many snaps the defense has had over the, the past month because they can't get off the field because the Eagles can't convert on third downs and up offensively. bunch of things factor into it. But uh, these guys have been taking a hell of a lot of snaps, uh, Mike. At Mike Gill's show, 97.3 ESPN South Jersey. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brubble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Um, make sure you listen to Sports Bash today, two to six. Um, I'll end it here with you. Uh, the big uh, Duke, West Virginia, is it the Mayo Bowl? <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Uh, in yeah, Charlotte, the Duke Mayo Bowl. The Duke uh, Mayo. Is it the Duke? Now Duke's in the game. No, uh, North Carolina is in the. Oh, game. it's North Carolina. So I yeah. screwed it up by saying Duke. Uh, uh, Mayo Bowl. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but Duke's with an apostrophe S. Okay, All right. Gotcha. All right. What, what, your West Virginia team, how many people are in the transfer portal? How many people are going to show up that played the season oh, for geez. West Virginia? I, I don't know about that. Um, I do know that they're playing North Carolina, and is his name Duke May? Is that Drake May? Yeah, he Drake is. Playing. Drake he playing. Playing. I don't so even much. know, but I guarantee he's not playing. No, he is not playing in the game. So I, it's funny you mention this because I was, I'm on vacation from work uh, the last two weeks of the year. I'm I'm out of here, so I was looking for some things to do, and I might go to Charlotte to the Duke's Mayo Bowl to go check it out. But I have no idea. West Virginia uh, has not. Uh, 
I mean, the portal situation there, I have not read a lot about who's there, who's not. Everybody, uh, but I know, I, just, I know that if you're a quarterback, team. you essentially play for every team in the country you can yeah. find. Right. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, until they say you used up your uh, availability, you're done. You used up your twenty years. Come on, you got to stop now. You can't be still transferring at this age. Every guy in the Heisman. The, the finalists, they all were transfers. They all were in the portal. Every every guy that was in the, I think every at least three of them had transferred at some point. You've already got the kids going from Duke, by the way, to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has now hit, last year they had Hartman from Wake Forest, and now yeah. they're getting Riley. And by uh, the way, he looks like he's older. Sam Hartman looks like, I said this to Jody, looks like he's older than three quarters of the NFL quarterbacks. He's played seven seasons in college, I think. Jeez. Yeah, the yeah. only the only guy who hadn't transferred at the Heisman was that Harrison Jr. kid. He's a bit <clears> of a player, and he stuck it out at Ohio State. The question is where he's going to land in the NFL. Mike Gill, we appreciate your bonus shirt. Uh, thank you very much for coming out with us today. We will talk to you next week. Uh, have a good one. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. See you. That's my shirt. See ya. Uh, be bopping around the house. Got to get made for effort. Yeah, man. He he went through the progression seamlessly. Oh, got man. to uh, got to where where the the Wi Fi was better in the 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 uh, Casa de Gil. Yeah. Well, good some, job by Mike. Some people have questioned the Eagles' effort the last two weeks. I think they've given every effort they had. I think the opposite is worse. If they are giving effort and they're just not good enough. That's what I kind of see, and that could, should be even if you don't believe me. I don't get the like, not like Gil's thing. effort. He was making yeah. every effort to give us the best broadcast possible. I don't. I'm with you with the. I I don't get the non-effort thing. I didn't see that at all. I I don't. I, no. I don't know what people that, see. That wasn't what I saw when I watched both of those two games. All right, McDonald and McMull and Mackamack, quickie time out here on Birds Three Sixty Five. We're doubling down on the West Virginia input today. Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board is going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes. But I got a, a very important running game question to run by John McMullen when we, we come back. Keep it here on Birds 365. <laughs> Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Back guys here on Birds 365. We've got uh, Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board coming up in just over uh, 10 minutes from now. All right, Johnny Mac, I got to run this one by you again. Came off the show I did last night on WIP asking for people, what would you text Nick Sirianni if you had Nick's number and you could drop him a little advisory text? What would you do to help him get through this game coming up Sunday? Put the last two behind you. A little uh, tactical advice if you could pass it on to the coach. Most people took it for the way I posted as a chance to put a little bug in the coach's ear. But a couple people went down the road of, listen, if I got a text through to Sirianni, maybe I know what to tell him. Maybe I don't. But I got a question rather than me telling him what to do, me giving him advice. Oh, boy. I'd like a real answer to a real question. And I got this one last night, and I just was taken aback by it. But I guess it's not a 0% chance, but I think it's pretty close. Caller suggested that they're keeping their fourth string running back under wraps for a reason. Because Rashad Penny has been so often injured in his career, the Eagles didn't want to expose him to the potential of injury for the first. That was you early in the season. Eight, 12, 16 games. Oh, no. I said there would be a load management game for an Eagle running back this year, that he would be 100% healthy and they would sit him just because they didn't want to overuse or risk him. Now, that when I said it, that was my theory and hasn't come to fruition yet, but it may. Um, that was one game. I was talking about one game. I had a uh, caller last night tell me, oh, no, Rashad's coming. That, <laughs> that they've been holding him back, keeping Boy, him under wraps. I, I, and you watch out for week 17 or 18 and then into the postseason. The Rashad Penny era is yet to hit the uh, field. 
the the human mind is an amazing thing, Jody. It it I mean, you know, because they haven't seen them. And again, I got to be very careful because I get yelled at. I'm too mean. I'm too condescending. Blah blah blah. I look. Do you want to be right or do you want to learn? You know, if you if you want to be right, this is probably not the place for you because I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Because he that that they haven't seen him, uh, and and I would say it's a small group, uh, uh, a small group. They they've created in this mind that Rashad Penny is Jim Brown reincarnated. If he could play, he'd be playing. I, my bigger concern is why is he on the roster? Now, clearly they're concerned about the durability and how many touches DeAndre Swift has. That's why he's on the roster. Um, they're not holding him back to unleash him for the 49ers for the rematch. Um, I don't know what to tell you if you believe that, but you need deeper help than I can give you. You need the old Jerry Seinfeld joke. You don't need therapy. You need a, you don't need a therapist. You need a team working on you, not just the once a week, 60 minute stuff, 24 seven. I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But then if, and you know, I agree with you. Um, why is he still, is, is he just. They're concerned about the door. Now here's the thing with insurance policies. You have to pay a premium for them. They they are very helpful and in sometimes in places absolutely positively necessary, but you don't get insurance policies for nothing. And they've had to do some roster juggling. I know John McMullen called out the general manager last week because they lost Christian Ellis, and we'll see what Christian Ellis becomes. I'm less afraid. I I just have an opinion on Christian Ellis and what he's going to uh be over the course of his nfl career and it's not much but they could have done things differently to protect christian ellis and they let him hang out there and somebody scooped him up and six teams were ready to scoop him up well, one of those guys that they could have put out there was rashad petty they chose not to if this guy has shown them so little in practice that they have such little faith in him you did mention it so now give me a formal answer to it why is he still here um because they're concerned about the durability, previous durability issues of DeAndre Swift. So his history says he's going to miss some games, and he hasn't missed some games. And he's already at a career high in touches, uh, career high in carries, excuse me. Um, uh, and, you know, he's he's missed four, four games each year. Safety net. Four games. Four games. Um, the safety net that is yeah. Penny is. Yeah. More than the potential of Christian Ellis. Yeah, um, which I disagree with. But, but but by the way, it's not just Rashad Penny. There's like five players they could have waived before Christian Ellis. And and my only point about Christian was he has a defined role. He had a defined role. It was special teams. Nobody cares about special teams. Uh, but he had a defined role to the point he had more special team snaps than anybody else on this entire team. So... It's not a small role. It was a clearly defined role, whereas guys like Penny and and Alberto doesn't dress now that Dallas Goddard is back. He went right back to not dressing. Suho Peta doesn't dress anymore because he's gone in the doghouse. They could have they could have waived him. Um, you know, I'll think of a couple other players all, uh, uh, as well. 
that they probably or and and by the way, because of the Eagles' reputation, not in this town, but across the NFL, any of those guys might may, may have gotten picked up on waivers because that's part of it. And the fact that oh, the Eagles are waving somebody, let's jump on that. Um, they might have lost them, but they don't have roles. Christian Ellis has a role, and oh, by the way, he's a second-year player. He's very young. He's very cost-effective. It was just very unhowie-like, very unhowie-like move, and not having sort of the pulse of the rest of the league. That that was my only point on that. But Rashad Penny, yeah, clearly, all it is is break break glass in case of emergency. Okay, when when he makes his breakout appearance week sixteen and gets the ball twelve times, I got I, I got. They're going to wait for the NFC Championship game and the rematch against San Francisco to unleash yeah, that, Rashad that, Penny. That, now, see, that would just be unfair to Rashad Penny. Not that sitting him for fifteen weeks and not playing him would be fair. But just throwing him in in a championship game, you just can't do that to him. You got to give him at least a little time to get up to speed. So I'm going with weeks. Uh, how many weeks? There's 18 weeks now. Yeah, you lose time. the element of surprise, Joey. Week 17. It, you That's can't what... let San Francisco know he exists until you want to unleash the fury. And I did point that out. And it may even be earlier than that. I, I pointed this out last night. Who did Rashad Penny play for? Before uh, he was an Eagle? Seattle Seahawks. Who are the Eagles playing this weekend? Seattle Seahawks. Maybe it's the return of Rashawn Petty to stick it in the eye of the 12th man. They out should there make him a, uh, a a a captain for the game and, I, and give him 33 carries. I, um, I don't know about Seattle. 33, but I, I'd settle for four. That would be nice. Uh, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Magamac guy is going to get ready to talk to another West Virginia guy on West Virginia Day here on Birds 365. Our buddy Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Board. Haven't had him up in about a month. He's due. Looking forward to talking Eagles football with Kincaid next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac. McDonald and McCullen, joined by our, our guy Kevin Kincaid from the self-proclaimed most irreverent sporting uh, outlet in Philadelphia. And, oh, by the way, I agree. Uh, mo- mo- most of it has to do with uh, uh, Kyle over uh, Kevin, but that's just me. Um, oh, yeah, that Jody's insulting people this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. insulted uh, uh, less- Well, uh, I'm going to turn the insult into a question. Legit. And we'll get to the Eagles, everybody. Don't get... But I got a crossing board question. How much editing do you have to do for Kyle Pagan? Because some of his stuff is out there. It's entertaining as hell. <laughs> but some of it, I just scratch my head going, where the hell is he going with this? He he's He's a different dude. I like him, but he's a different dude. You're in charge. How much do you have to reel him back in? Well, do I want to give up trade secrets here? I don't know. This is kind of proprietary. Right, right, right up, right up to the line that you're not giving away trade secrets, but just a legit. Uh, yeah, just, it does. It do, he does require some editing. Um, that that is certainly true, right? I, John, I'm not offended by what Jody said because. Uh, Kyle, Kyle has the, uh, you know, irreverent, you know, man on the street videos and whatnot. I handle the um, big, big J stuff, I guess, if you want to call it that on the side. We each have our own niche, you know what I mean? um, And it works. The two guys balance each other. Yeah. To answer Jody's question, yes, there's a, there's a bit of editing that goes into that for sure. Is it mainly technical editing or you're trying to, to, to pull Kyle back a little bit? I'm going to guess technical. Right. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, there's some words that I've taken out of there um, <laughs> that the, uh, that the uh, previous the, that the other Kyle may not have taken out, you know, five or six years ago. So, yeah, there's a uh, if there's a line to walk, I'm I'm sitting right on top of it. <laughs> good. Good. Nice. On you, Kincaid. All right. Um, and like you said, you do the heavy J work, the journalistic work. And I got to give you credit because you get some pretty good video up on your site, too. Like the the play that uh, Sean Desai had nine guys seemed like nine guys on the line, and you got Hassan Reddick dropping back in coverage and the like. So th- there's some serious football analysis on your website uh, from the time the game kicks off until the time you're going to post. How much work do you have to do in breaking down game film? 
I don't, to be honest, I'm not really, um, you know, nobody's ever going to confuse me for one of the, the all 22 guys on social media who's doing the threads every week. You know, like typically, Jody, we have like so much that we're doing every week. I mean, we only have a 2.5 person staff, you know, so I kind of like I'll throw the replay film on there and kind of put it up on the other monitor and, and like let it play in the background if I get a break. Or like in this case, if I see something specific, if there's a play, you know, when I'm doing like the takeaways column or something, I'm like, what, what the hell are they doing here? You know, make a note to kind of go, go back and look at that when the coach's film comes out. And that was, you know, the one that you're talking about specifically, that was a, a product of that. You know, I'm not really like a film shark. I'm a soccer guy, really. I no, mean, that, I'm, that's why I'm asking. Um, when yeah. you do do film, I always think it's great. You point out things that oh. other people don't catch or uh, should be taking more note of than they do. That's why I asked the question. Well, listen, I think that's, but it doesn't that kind of tell the story because I'm not like a, a deep dive X's and O's guy, but if we can spot stuff on the surface, then you know there's issues, right? I mean, you know, in that case specifically, it was the play where uh, Keely Ringo got flagged for two uh, yeah. penalties on the same play. That was a hell of a pass rush on that play. Yeah, yeah it was like the old one man, the old one man pass rush, you know, because Josh Sweat got, you know, uh, kind of chipped off the edge. Um, they lined up Hassan Reddick as a defensive tackle. No issues there. They've been doing that for years with various defensive coordinators. But yeah, they didn't rush him. They kind of <laughs> dropped him off as a spy. And it was supposed to be a three man rush turned into a two man rush with uh you know a rookie you know 1v1 on the outside so you know i look at stuff like that i'm kind of thinking like oh you know i what's what exactly is going on and then you had two guys who were off the screen entirely jody you know so it was like they were playing some kind of they were playing five yards beyond the line of game press man coverage in in that like big dime i think package that they call it three safeties out there three corners and the pass rush didn't didn't really didn't even didn't, didn't even get close all right, man, you're a this sort of man of the people. So as you say, you're looking at that. And if, if if there's obvious issues, where does Kevin Kincaid go? Does he say, wow, that's really poor execution or let's fire the uh, coordinators after two, two losses? <laughs> I'm always more of a, you know, you know, the thing, John, is like when the when the team plays well, the this is what we do in Philadelphia. When the team plays well, the players get all the credit. And when they don't play well, the coaches get all the blame, you know, but I think yeah. the players got to, got to play better. You know, linebackers are not attacking the gaps. Pass rush is dried up. I don't think anybody really wants to say it, but the offensive line has been underwhelming this year. I don't think they've played as well as they could have. Defensive line couldn't get close to Dak the other night. <clears throat> running West coast principles. He gets the ball out quickly. Sure. Um, but to me, it's on the, the, the players more than any, anything, schematically i think i think offensively you look at that more you know i'm looking at some of these slow developing routes stuff that's 15 yards down the field there's not always an obvious check down or a dump off and you know schematically i wondered sometimes what the heck they're doing on offense where a lot of it is you know out of the pocket kind of jalen hurts making plays doing stuff with his feet you know um you know finding guys down the sideline or whatever but yeah you look at how easy other teams make it you know dak dropping three-step drops you know, anticipation throws, timing routes, things like that, little mesh concepts, cross crossing routes that, uh, you know, other offenses being able to run a pick play without getting a flag. You know? <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> is fair. That <laughs> is a fair criticism. Yeah, a wide receiver expert, and we're three years in, they can't yeah. run a damn rubber out. They can't yeah. do it. So, so here's a general football question for both of you two guys. And the Eagles are part of the answer, but they're just one of 32. If Tom Brady feels the need to step up and go, the product sucks, 
which he never did when he played. But now, now he that did, he's done, Jody, he did. I, I very, it, very infrequently. Come on, how many times did Tom Brady? I'm just being fair. He did. Twenty years. He did. All right, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities. From the time he became the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots to the time last month when he said the product sucks. How many times do you think he was asked that question? He said it in Tampa. The product 175 sucks. times, and he, he answered it maybe once, kind of, sort of, that way before. And then he comes out, the product sucks, uh, which I think is a little misleading. But if we agree with him that the product stinks, do you think maybe it has something to do with they that they washed their own game down the river by not allowing teams to practice, <clears throat> that they collectively bargained away. God forbid they give the players 0.1% more of the overall gross revenues. We don't ever want to give the players an extra penny for anything. So what do we got to give them? Less practice. Hey, you don't have to practice. You don't have to hit. You can't wear pads, all this other stuff. Is there a chance that that's a big contributing factor to the fact that Tom Brady or anybody else can say the product just isn't as good as it used to be? Oh, God. Well, I mean, that's such a nebulous concept, Jody. I don't know how much practice does somebody need? I mean, do you need 15 practices or do you need 30 practices? I don't I I, I have no idea how to answer that. I, I, do, I would ask, though, did we ever determine what specifically Brady was talking about there? What didn't he like about the product? Like what was his specific complaint? What was he what was he bitching about when he said that? Well, he was he was talking about well, he's talking a lot about the safety things, which are obviously indemnity issues from a legal standpoint. Okay. Uh, right. and he was trying to say like it's not a defender shop. He's actually defending defense, which is kind of interesting. Okay. And he said it's not the defender's job to protect offensive players. Uh it's the offensive player's job. And he said back in when he started and he wouldn't throw the ball over. He used Ray Lewis. I'm not throwing the ball over the middle with Ray Lewis. I'm not going to hang my receivers out to dry. It's my job to re protect my guys. It's not defenders. So he's complaining about that. Yeah. Uh, he was also just talking about the product in general, as far as how it shifted towards more of a college mindset, simpler offense. We're talking about with the Eagles, simple well, yeah. offense. Um, yeah. And and you, you mentioned the West Coast properties. There's no more Bill Walsh West Coast. As you mentioned, the, the Dallas Cowboys and certain other teams use principles. But you don't really have time to develop into the depth of a, a, a Bill Walsh West Coast offense. So those were the two main issues. And he did say it as a player in Tampa as well. Hmm. Um, so anyway, we've gotten off on a tangent. But I, I, I like, will say I like that yeah, right. we like tangents. I would say that you mentioned it with the offensive line. A lot of mm -hmm. people don't want to criticize the offensive line. A lot of people don't want to criticize the quarterback. And you mentioned that ability of, of dumping the football off. I've been saying this, and Jody knows that he's probably sick of it. They don't dump. Jalen doesn't dump at all. There's no so check. Down. I mean, half no. the time, half the time, John, like when you look at, Actually, before I forget, I think it was Ed Crass posted on Twitter. I didn't even notice notice this until he put it out there. But Jalen only targeted three players. Yeah, three. I know. It's unbelievable. But that links. I wanted to bring that up because that links into the point of sometimes when I like just do my casual look at all twenty two or whatever. By the time DeAndre Swift or Kenny Gainwell or whoever can kind of leak out, they like to kind of leak them through the middle yeah. more 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 than to the sides, right? 
because I think Jalen's getting flushed left or right either way. It's kind of redundant. He's not going to turn and throw back across his body, right? So they leak him out. They do a little like, you know, three yard turn and look at the quarterback, right? But by the time they even gets his head turned, Jalen's already running to his right. You know, so I, I, it's almost to me like they they feel schematically like the dump off or the check down is just Jalen using his feet and getting out. Yeah, of it. it is. You know, so yeah. that that's that's and that's that's why you're able to. That's why the offense has been able to rank the way it has with a bunch of guys running intermediate and deep routes on multiple on on multiple plays. You know, they have these like mirrored like daggers and whatnot. I'm kind of looking at it like what is this? What are these route combinations? Like, it doesn't make sense. There's no obvious underneath kind of thing. There's nothing where Jalen just takes like three steps, throws off his front foot and just gets rid of it. You know, those, like those plays, um, I broke down on the site, that series of plays where they had a third and 11 and then fourth and eight, where he was throwing off his back foot. There was a seven step drop where he just kind of threw it low to Devante. So it didn't have a prayer. You know, everybody knew that Dallas was blitzing. everybody knew that they were sending two linebackers up the middle. Yeah. It seems like the easy stuff is just, um, yeah, they don't have hot routes. They don't have hot routes. They don't have blitz beaters. But I, I said that for this reason, Kevin. As you mentioned, they want to protect the players. They want to, you know, when things go bad, they blame the coaches. Yeah. You could look at Nick Sirianni in Indianapolis and even going back to San Diego when he didn't have as much power. But um, when he had Phillip Rivers, yeah, completely different. You had hot routes. You had dump offs because the quarterback was comfortable with it. Yeah. So in a yeah. lot of ways, to me, you know, he built the offense around the strengths of his quarterback. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing when I see yeah. other coaches who don't do that. And we've seen that a lot this year, Kevin, because we've seen so many backup quarterbacks. Yeah. I think I, that's I, a good thing. I would just say real quick too. I'm I, <laughs> I'm looking at the chat too, and they always have a field day because they think I look like Sirianni. Yeah, uh, yeah. you yeah, do. Got a little bit, a little resemblance. Yeah. Not, yeah. not yeah. Got to go full beard. Yeah, there was one gotta... day where there was one day where my daughters woke up really really early, and I got like no sleep, and I had these huge bags under my eyes, and some guy on Twitter said I looked like drunk. Drunk, drunk Nick Sirianni, Sirianni. or high Nick Sirianni. So, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what it is, John. It's almost like they they factor his feet so much into the way that they map out the offense. You know, like I'm saying, with the obvious dump offs not being there, because you know you don't have to always have that because he can get out of the pocket pretty easily, right? You know, so do you have to scheme that into your 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 your, your routes, right? Do you even need that that dump off, right? Because he's by the like I said, by the time you would throw it there, he's already out of the pocket anyway. And and it what looks janky to me, particularly the last couple of weeks specifically, is anything in the read and pull game. You know, they've had some like clunky looking exchanges. Uh, you had the play a couple of weeks ago where Jalen kind of double clutched yeah. with Gainwell yeah. in there. He kind of like gave it to him and then he pulled it back and they tried to give it to him again. Um, you know, I tried to... everybody wanted to blame Kenny because they don't like Kenny, but that was Jalen. That was like he almost forgot what the play was, right? Because yeah. once Gainwell feels it come out of his gut, he's moving forward. He's like, yeah. that's the, I'm not getting the ball. So, they're, they're, yeah, that wasn't his fault at all. Um, but I, that has looked – I try to look at, you know, the way that teams are playing that, and um, they just kind of time out the – they have the timing of it down. It's like I know that he's going to read me and pull this split second, and I'm going to hold, and then I'm going to close the space as soon as he makes it. It looks like there's a lot of last minute, like he's he's totally he's like split second trying to think if he should if he should put it in the gut or not. Even some of the pools that he's had, the interception against um 
was it Buffalo, I think, where he was a good pool, actually, but he tried to throw over two guys who were coming at him at the same time. You know, so just that whole everything in the option game, the zone read, the RPO game looks kind of funky. Um, you know, the handoffs aren't clean. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff off schedule. You know, you know what I mean? Like him making making plays happen when they could just scheme it up to make it a lot easier for him. Unlike the use of the word John, which I'm on record, I just can't stand anymore. Yeah, I'm I over that lo- too. Love the use of the word janky. Very good on you, guys. Good word. Yeah, I like that. I'm word. a janky guy. Forget John. I'm with you. I'm a janky guy. Um, <laughs> if I'm not the president of the uh, Bradbury fan club, I'm at least a cabinet member. Seeing I was lobbying to get him when he was still a member of the Giants, sign him as a free agent. He's still under contract to arrive. What the hell are you talking about, McDonald? Oh, yeah, they released him, and oh, yeah, the Eagles signed him. Uh, and then, a, like, a proud papa when he makes All-Pro last year. Not Pro Bowl, All-Pro last year. He's not playing well this year, Kev. Uh, we all got annoyed at Debo Samuel when he called him trash. Trash, yeah. And I'm not going to trash, but Bradbury's just not playing well. He's uh, going back to that 30-yard penalty against the Cowboys when it was the easiest pass interference call ever in the history of football that gave the Cowboys the chance to uh, go down and potentially steal a game for the Eagles. Thank God that they didn't. But uh, he's not having a real good year. How bad is it in your estimation that that we were all trying to figure out as a coach, as a quarterback, whatever? Sometimes it's guys that you just put in as given. Well, you know he's going to be good. And then they're not, and you can't even wrap your head around it. How bad do you think Bradbury's been? Yeah, it does kind of look like he's falling off a cliff a little bit. Doesn't doesn't he just look slow to you? Like, how many times do I feel like he's just trying to catch catch up the guys? You know, it seems like Bob Groats ahead of the curve. Groats Groats gets to take a victory lap on that one. He's been calling him slow since he showed up here. Yeah, he He is slow for an NFL corner. Corner. Yeah, he looks like he's a step behind. So, so as we like to uh, advance the story, as we used to say in the journalism business Mm -hmm. at uh, Channel Three, what do you do about that? Because the Eagles aren't an amazing blitzing team. Um, you know, and they've always relied on their front four, right? So do you just go to safeties and just give the corners that help on the back end and just trust the guys to get there? Or, or do you risk it and send extra bodies forward and leave them on islands? Because if you do the, if you do the Gannon thing where you're just, you're preventing big plays and leaving two guys back there, that's not your strongest position group this year. By the way, you don't don't have your best personnel out there on the, on the field, right? I mean, is that the way you want to go? I advocated the Eagles should just go full-blown cover two against Dallas, and it did mm-hmm. not work. They did. They actually took my advice. It did not work, and then they kind of shifted. But if they had linebackers who were more aggressive and could, and could, you know, had gap integrity and who were who could attack in there, then maybe that would have been a little bit different. But Dallas, you know, how how many how many times did they run the ball early where it just seemed like they were getting six or seven or eight yeah. or whatever? And then you're like, well, you, you know, are we preventing the big play, but you're just getting gashed in the middle, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really. I've never been a fan. Jody knows this, but most because I like Jonathan. Everybody knows that. I, I got along with JG, and uh, I thought he did a good job. And I don't lie to people with that. They had the second ranked defense in the NFL last year. You see where it is this year. He's not a bad coach. However, while I say that, I don't like this scheme. I've never liked this scheme, Kevin. One of my Biggest problems, and we've seen it in the past with Tony Dungy, Pete Carroll. Um, once somebody has success, too many teams play it, 
Too many teams copy it. Then it then quarterbacks get used to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we are with the big Fangio scheme, and that's what the Eagles are running. Um, I want an innovator. I always bring up Brian Flores. That's the guy I want. I want the guy who does something that nobody else does. And he's yeah. got, you talk about no talent. That guy's got no talent and he's got a top 10 defense. Now that to me is coaching. Where are we with this defensive scheme? I don't even know. I don't even know at this point what they're trying to do. You know, um, they look, they look, t- they just look tired to me. Don't they? I mean, I know that they've played a lot of snaps, yeah, but well, they played a ton of snaps. Yeah. But even even then, it's like you know, you you Derek Barnett's there. You wave him. You've got Nolan Smith, Brandon Graham. They, they had been running Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat upwards of eighty percent of the snaps. Yep. Um, you know, even before um, Barnett was was waived, you know. So I, I wasn't. I'm not really sure what they were doing in in that regard i mean nicobe dean was a huge i'm not ready to call nicobe dean a miss or a bust or anything like that you know but they factored him in as being linebacker one he's not out there and they got guys that they picked up off the street so that's been a huge i mean think think about look at what tj edwards is doing right now you know tackling machine playing at a solid level kaiser white um the, both those guys would be an improvement off of what they have right now and then the safety position you know whatever right i mean i, I don't i don't know if um you know, I don't know if you can run, you know, Gannon, you know, Gannon's scheme without any kind of, well, well, what was the issue last year? You know, they had to go out and get Sue and Joseph because they were getting gashed in the run game, you know? Yeah. So is that, yeah. that, that solution is not, if you switch to that, is that solution there? Do you, do you present the same problem that it created last year? You know, I think that's the issue. You know? So let me ask you this. Should they have paid CJGJ what he got from Detroit? If they had offered him exactly what he got, same price tag, and assuming he would take it, uh, unless he got a man on because he thought the Eagles owed him multi years and he didn't want to do it at one year, make good deal, type deal here in Philadelphia. But if they had been able to put that on the table, offer it, and he takes it, could Howie Roseman have handled everything else he wanted to do? Was that a miscalculation on the general manager's part in your estimation? Well, in hindsight, if if the choice is Slay and CJGJ versus Slay and Bradbury, yeah, I would take Slay and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson now looking back at it, sure. But I guess they just thought that safety was a plug-and-play kind of position and they liked that they had in Blankenship and, you know, prioritized corner. But I don't know. I was a big fan of what Jim Schwartz was able to do with with Malcolm Jenkins where, you know, they would leave Rodney McLeod back there you know, 60, 40 hash safety. And they would, they would walk Malcolm Jenkins up to the box and he could do a lot of different things. I'd much rather have a versatile safety. I'm not calling CJ GJ Malcolm Jenkins, but he is, he does do a lot of different things like that. There's more flexibility, come up and cover a tight end, whatever. Um, You know, I think, yeah, I would rather spread out my talent at least a little bit more over those position groups, you know, instead of having two good cornerbacks and just throw guys back there at, at safety. No, yeah, I probably would have would have had him in hindsight. You know, I don't know if I felt that way initially, but looking at how James Bradbury's played this year, yes, and I can unequivocally say that hindsight is twenty twenty. The scary thing about it is you feel that way in hindsight. And yeah. CJ hasn't even played; yeah. he's no, been gone all year. If he was playing well, you go, oh shoot, I got that one wrong, and I'll admit to it. We don't yeah. even know what CJ GJ would have done because we can't judge him. He's been out all year for Detroit. All right, yeah. I've been on, uh, speaking of safety, I've been on this kick all week, Kevin, so I want to get your take on it. Uh, and, and it's hindsight, and I admit that. Um, 
But to me, when I look at this team, they lack speed uh, on the back end, uh, except for Slay, who can still run at 32. Mm -hmm. We just talked about it with Bradbury, Reed, uh, Kevin Bayard, uh, latter stages of his career. They lack speed, and it's it's hurting them. Uh, this is a speed-based game, and they got Sidney Brown, who can, if there's one thing he can do, he can run. Ran a four four seven coming out. Yeah, went over twenty two miles per hour on the GPS in college. You can see his burst. You can see his athleticism. I go all the way back to week one, and I said, throw him out there. Throw him in the 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 the, the deep end of the pool. The old Jim Swartz startup cost. Get him over with. And who knows? By this point, he might be a player. And. The Kansas City Chiefs did that last year, and they had some hiccups. They played a bunch of rookie defensive backs. They had some bad situations during the regular season. But the playoffs came around, and those guys stepped up and were ready to go. I think Sidney Brown from day one would have been very, very helpful for this team. And now that that sort of is already out the window. Yeah, I mean, well, let me give you a parallel here. My management style is very hands-off, right? Why do you hire some you hire people for a reason, right? Because you believe in them and you think they're good at what they do. I don't have to tell Kyle Pagan anything, right? He's just like, hey, I'm gonna go do this video over here. Good, go do it. Cause I know you're gonna do a good job with it and it's gonna turn out great. So likewise, you're gonna draft a guy for what? Obviously, you drafted him for a reason, right? He wasn't and he's a red star pick, pick, an Eagles red star pick, which means yeah. Everything we want on the field and yeah. off the field. Yeah, so throw them out there. I mean, what do you what 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 other what are you holding on to them for? You know, I mean, because the the alternative is to again sign some guy off the scrap heap, throw them out there as a as a temporary thing, and he's not going to be here after next year. So I would rather have them do that. You know, I, I agree with you on that. I just don't. I I the, he had that play against Dallas where he just came downhill and just crushed the one guy. You know, yeah. And, okay. You know, they, they, they need that. I don't know if you guys agree with Seth Joyner or not about his thing about tackling or whatever, but it does seem yeah. like once a guy gets past the first level, you know, he's kind of dragging people. There's always like an extra two or three yards after contact or something like that. It does feel like the, once they get guys going in there, yes, yeah, speed and, and open space tackling become an issue. Now that's been a thing all year long. Well, but where, where Slay, Slay got upset and he yeah, took it out on me because he knows I'm on the, Seth's show. <laughs> oh, he took it um, out on you. I didn't even see well, that. No, he you? didn't. He didn't take it out. On oh, okay. Um, we were just talking about it. He's like, you know, he was talking about Seth, and I said, look, Seth is old school. Seth is, you know, yeah. and the one thing Slay took exception to was, um, the the question of they were afraid. He oh, said, okay. we, we had a crappy, we had a crappy tackling day. Yeah. We're not afraid. That's what he took exception to. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah fair enough. I go back I mean, to, to his, to, to that point though. It's like, I, I, what, what, what position on the defense does the least amount of tackling or do, do you want to see flying into a, a pile like a missile? You, like cornerbacks yeah, corner, aren't really paid corners. to do that anyway. We all watched Asante Samuel play, play here. You know, he was not paid. No. For his tackling ability, you know, Deion so, Sanders. Deion got I, to the I, Hall of Fame, and he never tackled anybody yeah. in ten years. Yeah, yeah. The best but, uh, tackling cornerback I've ever seen is Antoine Winfield Sr., who mm -hmm. was a tremendous tackler. Um, 
And if you ask me who number two is, I would got to think about it because there aren't many good tackling cornerbacks. I'll give you a guy who tackled great last week, and it was against the Philadelphia Eagles. Stephon Gilmore came up, helped in the run, uh, made plays on the edge, not just pulled down his guy after he he pushed him out of bounds after a 17-yard game. You get a tackle for that if you. Well, he was you really guy really, out of bounds, seventeen yards down yeah. the field. That ching ching. That's a no. Tackle. He was really really good on that. Specific, I don't know if you guys saw the thread that I put on um, Twitter. Excuse me, X the the X thread that I did yesterday, and I put it on the site. But it was the it was when they got into Dallas territory. It was twenty seven to thirteen, and they had the disastrous like one yard loss on first down. Then they had the kind of the improv end zone shot to Devontae Smith, where Jalen was running to his right. They came back on third down. It was third and 11, and they tried to run like a little interference pick play. Again, Devontae didn't get anything of Gilmore, and Gilmore blew that up. Yep. Then on the play where the timing was off and, the, and Dallas blitzed on fourth and eight, Gilmore blew blew that up again. Yeah, I mean, he was just like open space tackling for sure. It's, just, it's funny because you watch Slay and you watch Bradbury, you watch both of them. If somebody's kind of getting up to like the second level or the third level, but there's a linebacker kind of grabbing on them or Reed Blankenship is in the area, they'll kind of go up and like stand there. And they'll be like, I'm here if you need me to help bring them down, but they're not yeah. gonna, they're not gonna like, like launch themselves into a no, pile no. of three no, people. No, no, you no, would, no. you really, I, really I, I, I feel like uh, it's similar to tight ends blocking. You know, the old adage is lose slowly. I think that's the same with cornerback tackling. Just, you know, just get in the way. Yeah, I, I get why they would be offended by that, right? Because I don't think I don't think it's an issue of them being afraid to tackle. I think the corners are just like, I will tackle if I have to. Yeah, but I'm not going to like launch myself with my head down and shoulder down into a pile of three people when this there's like a 97 percent chance of this guy's being dragged down to the ground anyway. So I get there's there's nuance to that, you know. Yeah. KK, last question for me: How worried are you about this weekend's game because? The Eagles have lost seven straight times to the Seattle Seahawks. I have no clue, honestly. Seattle hasn't been lighting the world on fire either. They've lost, what, five or six? You know, Gino may or may not. You don't know, fight. yeah, with Gino. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just – here's my thing about the last two games. I did not expect them to beat San Fran. I didn't expect them to beat Dallas. So I'm not surprised by that. But it's the way they lost. It's not that they lost. It's the way they lost. Yeah. So now, now I have no clue. I honestly have no clue because it did enough. The last two losses did enough to plant that seed of doubt in here that even if they win the next four or three of the next four and they get the one seed or the two seed or whatever, what people saw in these last two games, it's not, it's not, nothing they do in the next four is going to be able to wash what we just saw. Yeah. Right. They lost badly enough to good teams that people are always, that seed is going to be in here and radio is yeah. going to talk about it and Twitter is going to talk about it and that's right. going to be a thing, you know? So um, to answer the question, I have no clue. At Kevin underscore Kincaid, make sure you follow him on X, not formerly known as Twitter. Yes, X. Um, yeah. Uh, Crossing Broad obviously does a tremendous job there. Um, I'll end it there. The seed of doubt that you talked about. Is that seed of doubt so large you're starting to worry about uh, Tommy Cutlets and every Sopranos joke <laughs> in the world. Don't get me started on that. Pagan wrote like an innocuous thing on the site about him yesterday, about it just being like a good, good story. You know, here's some yeah. random Italian kid living with his mom, wasn't even drafted and he's playing well. And then he had people killing him because they thought he was like showing preference to the Paisan. Like 
yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I had to log off after seeing the <laughs> hundred, uh, like a hundred replies to that one, you know, so we'll move it on. We'll move it on to more, uh, uh, topics that are less oh, but controversial. Uh, Tom, like Tommy like is coming up twice on the schedule. You're not going to be able to get around him. I know. Isn't he's that annoying the, too? That's uh, very annoying. Incredibly, I got. One. I got to watch Sean Stiletto to bring up every single Italian freaking. Yeah. What What's he doing? By the way, what's he getting applauded for? His agent. That's his Tommy's agent. Well, maybe later. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on whether Ita- Italians are being disrespected yeah. in uh, 2023, and I'll 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 pitch like the. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah, pitch that to Kyle because that's you know he's pandering there. Sean's that one will require. He doesn't the- normally dress like that. Let's no, that one will require a lot a lot of editing to go back yeah. to the first thing that Jody asked. <laughs> so, do you guys are anti male kissing at a football game? Is that what you're telling me? Because he did a lot of kissing. They had a lot of video of him kissing uh his client's dad during the game. If, all- if, if, if Sean dressed like that on a daily basis, I would have no problem with it. But he does not. You're guessing he doesn't? You I think that was for show on Monday night? I believe it was for oh, show. Well, it got him. It got him on uh, Kay Adams' show the next yeah. day. So whatever he was doing, I think worked. Maybe next time I do Birds three sixty five, I have to show up with a yeah, like you a, get a, a, a fedora. Got to get yourself yeah. a fedora there, Kincaid. Yeah. Really <laughs> I have a little bit of a cloud in me. Maybe I could do it. You know? There you go. You could pull it off. Right. KK, always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate right. you hopping on today. We'll get you Thanks, back in about a month yeah. now. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. Kevin Kincaid, Crossing Broad, uh, does a great job covering the Eagles and everything else uh, going down in the world of sports here in Philly. Oh, you just ruined my day, John. I thought what, that, Sean doesn't dress like that. Yeah, I thought he was like Mr. Sopranos 365. No, We're no, Birds no. 365. I thought he was Sopranos 365. He's got he's, That's uh, all put on just for. Monday Night Football that he knew ahead of time they were going to be videotaping him basically every time he turned around. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of clients. Uh, maybe he dresses like, uh, uh, maybe he's got a theme for all of them. I don't know. But okay. uh, Sean used to play. He used to play uh, in college, obviously, but he also played in the AFL. Or Does one he of have an Eagle client? Um, good question. I don't know off the top. I'll, okay. I'll look. All right, uh, see if you can find that out. I'd love to know. If he had an Eagle client, because that was, it was entertaining. I, sorry if that ticks off Eagle fans, because I said it too, that Tommy Cutlets and his story was entertaining. And oh, by the way, he made a couple of nice plays the other night. I made fun of Tommy DeVito. Who the hell is Tommy DeVito? How could Tommy DeVito be taking over the Giants? I said right here on Birds 365. I got to skim back a little bit. He, he made some plays the other night against the Packers. And yeah, the Eagles got him twice more yet this season. All right, McDonald McMullen, final timeout. Come back, put a ball in the show.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. As we wrap up this 365 session, Johnny Mack, I need you to give me the breakdown of the Eagles the rest of the week. Uh, practice sked, you having to head over there, uh, ability to talk to the players and or the coaches. It's a Monday game. So you said first thing in the show today, it alters the practice schedule a little. It alters the schedule a little bit. How does it actually alter the schedule? Uh, everything's pushed back a day. Um, so today is coordinators day. Normally it would be Tuesday. You normally have the Wednesday walkthrough. That's uh Thursday, Friday. Uh, they'll be <clears throat> having an actual practice and Saturday. They'll also have the normal Friday practice. So basically- okay, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, they have an extra day this week because they're playing a Monday night game. It got flex to a Monday night game. And uh, I'll apologize, even though the NFL tells you, uh, for those of you who are planning to go out there, your schedule got screwed because the NFL wants a good game on Monday night. And ESPN has the ability to do that. And they're picking the Eagles in the season. It might not be as good as they thought it was going to be when they flexed it. Yeah. Um, Is it mandated by the CBA that when a game gets flexed and your schedule changes, you just have to take that as an extra day off rather than an extra day to practice. No, I don't believe so. Uh, so the yeah, Eagles yeah, had it, a chance to get an extra probably get, day. Get that in the NFL. Goes to they're not practicing yet at this time of year. Um, and back, well, they're maybe going that's to, why they got their ass kicked the last two weeks. They maybe that was uh, a contributing factor. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's the issue. I think they're worn down. I think it's the exact opposite because of all the snaps and all we're talking about. How's the communication going on the back seven? Um, It stinks, but that has more to do with the philosophy. Um, uh, you know, as I said, you can... There were no issues. It's no cure-all. I'm the one who advocated make it simpler. They did make it simpler, and it didn't work. Um, so it still comes down to um, execution from the players on the field, first and foremost. Um, but, yeah, at this stage, and by the way, it's not only the Eagles. I mean, everybody's banged up. And, yeah, the last thing you're going to do is um, – double down and, and, and practice more that old school mentality. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. <clears throat> I'll be the first to admit the product. I'm, I'm with Tom Brady. The product isn't as good as it once was, but the goal is to have everybody healthy and have something left in their batteries. And right now the Eagles look, everybody's talking about it. They look worn out. Well, if they're worn out, you want them practicing more? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I do. I'm old school. Uh, I'm not talking about full scale, four hour hitting practice. Get out there on that the field. You're not allowed to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand what the CBA does and doesn't allow, but they had a chance this week to get an extra, even an extra walkthrough, not even a practice, an extra walkthrough. And they go, nah, take the day off. Okay. I, I, don't think they, with all the in-season changes they've had to make due to either incapability in and or injury, they're not communicating as well. They don't seem like they're on the same page. <laughs> My answer would be, yeah, let's work it out. I, I, I'd say stop making those in-season changes and go with what you got. And don't be afraid to play a young player occasionally yeah. um, and go about it that way. I would say don't be afraid to get an extra walkthrough in rather than a lesser walkthrough because you got the uh, schedule pushed back on you. All right, we'll debate this even that much more tomorrow. I'm here in 22 hours. You in in 22 hours, McMullen? Day to day, but planning on it. Mac and Mac right back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.